are how to prosper and increase wealth. Again, we're going through uh, biblical things, and I, I'm dealing with some things that, that no matter where you're at in life, uh, it doesn't matter if you're 20 years old or 95 years old, uh, you know, th- how we handle our money. And what I'm going to deal a lot with today is God does have an opinion about how we handle money. Uh, Jesus spoke more on money than he spoke on any other thing. And so we're, we're exploring these. We're not really talking, uh, Ralph, you know, shared on tithes and offerings. That's not what I'm doing. I'm just talking about how this works with us. I snagged this off Kenny Gatlin's uh, Facebook page, and I told him I'd keep his name on it. His name is down there in the small print on the bottom left-hand corner. And, and it says, small thinking will keep you out of the will of God. Have you ever thought about that? Because God is not a small thinker. So I, I've been harping on this. This is our third uh, session, is we all have opinions about things. Okay, most people's opinions are small. You know, how can I get another dollar an hour raise? Why don't you figure out how to get a million dollars? You know, we, we think small, we bring things down. A lot of people have self, uh, what is it called, self-limiting beliefs. You know, I can't do this, I'm not good enough, you know, all those kind of things. But you know, every self-limiting belief is an accusation against yourself. Yeah. It's kind of smart to get out of that. So the things that I've been dealing with, and money is a big one, but it applies to all areas of life. Uh, money, uh, people have opinions about money, and most of them are very limiting. They don't believe they can. Something that is very, very true, if you can ever grasp this and work in all areas, you are living in what you believe. If you can change your belief system and increase it, you can live in more. People think that they have to go do something to get something, but really the biggest dynamic of your life is how you think. Right now, you and I are living in the sum total of the decisions that we've made in every area of our, our life. And, and it takes a different realm of thinking to move into a different realm of living. And so uh, we're going to deal with uh, uh, some things on this and look at some scriptures and so on and so forth. Now, I've been using a lot of Robert Kiyosaki's uh, quotes because I really like the stuff that Robert Kiyosaki puts out. Uh, I don't agree with everything he puts out. Uh, but he says, the truth is that money doesn't make you rich. Knowledge does. If you, if you know what to do with the money that's in your hand, you can become rich. You can have more than enough. God can take it and multiply it in your life. But what happens is many people don't have knowledge. Now, I, I know it's true regarding money because I talk to people a lot in money. I help people a lot in money. I've got a financial business on the side um, that I deal, uh, deal with things. And people will say things, have said things to me for 35 years, whatever it's been. That I've done money stuff is that, uh, yeah, it doesn't interest me. So if it, something doesn't interest you, are you going to read about it? No. Probably not. And uh, I never, uh, you know, a lot of people, in fact, I heard somebody here the other day, uh, I don't know who it was, maybe it was Dr. Mai, say something about The Wizard of Oz. Do you know I've never watched it? Never. It doesn't interest me. Who wants to watch this goofy dog and a tin man? And I mean, I don't want to spend two hours doing this. It doesn't interest me. We don't do things that don't interest us. Uh, there's a lot of things that people think that are really cool and popular and they, they entertain themselves with it. It doesn't interest me. So if money does it, probably, the, it's really amazing to me in school. Just think back when you were like K through uh, high school, senior. How much did they teach you about money? I remember I had to sit through and learn how to dissect a frog. Do you know, I'm 61 now. That has never helped me. 
But every day, I've had to do something with money. Uh, Tammy, who's not a stupid person, when she went to uh, junior college, uh, you know, working on her teaching degree, she would send her checkbook home to her mom so she could balance it because she didn't know how to balance a checkbook because they never taught her that. Uh, you probably didn't get proper education in academic levels from a teacher on how to handle money. Taxes. Interest. Uh, I'm going to show this probably next week, but just real quickly, if you have a, if you have a mortgage on your house at 4%, uh, you know, you get a $300,000 mortgage on a house that you buy at 4%. How much money do you pay on that money that you borrowed? I saw your mouth move, but I didn't hear you. Huh? 130? Oh, uh, as a percentage. No, how much as a percentage? If you get a $300,000 loan on, on a mortgage at 4%, how much are you going to pay on that? What percentage will you pay on that house? How many says 4%? Only if you pay it off in the first year. Because you're going to pay 4% on the same money next year. I'll show you how it works. This is why the banks, they want to keep you recycling, your refinancing your house every seven years. Because they want the front end of the mortgage where all the money's paid. And most people pay, uh, on average, somewhere between 42-52% on the money that they have before they sell it, refinance it. Um, the, now, I'll, I'll show it graphically or, or where, where it'll make sense. But see, we, we don't understand things about money. So we do things that make sense to us, but without a knowledge base of how it actually works. So uh, I, I said it, and I think our first one is it amazes me. Uh, Y'all are blessed to have a pastor that understands money, and, but how many people make decisions and do things and then come talk to me about the problem they're in instead of asking me before they did it? Well, the reason they don't ask before they did it is because they want to do it. Yeah. They know I'm direct, and I kind of... <laughs> So the truth is, money doesn't make you rich. Knowledge makes you rich. There's a lot of people making $100,000, $200,000 a, a year that are still technically poor. They're living paycheck to paycheck. And there's people making $30,000 a year that have assets building. It's what you do, how you behave with your money. So we're going to start off here in the book of Hosea. And uh, Muriel is going to be reading for me uh, chapter 4, verse uh, 6 and 7. Uh, the, just 7a for, through the first sentence of 7. Hang on a second. Now, he says here, my people are destroyed. Now, God is, has done everything. He sent his son to die for us so that he would deliver us out of everything. But destruction comes from a lack of knowledge. His people are destroyed. God wants to bless. God is the blesser. Blessed is the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ who has blessed us with all spiritual blessings in heavenly places. Uh, Ephesians 1.3. And uh, so God is blessed. God is the blessor. He wants his children blessed. And he says, my people are destroyed for a lack of knowledge. They don't understand how this stuff works. Go ahead. Because, for, because thou hast rejected knowledge. Hang on. So many reject knowledge on money. Now how do we reject knowledge on money? It doesn't interest me. Fail to, to, to study, fail to search out a, uh, uh, an answer. How many has gone to YouTube to figure out how to fix something in your house? Okay, look at all that. So we go to YouTube to figure out how to fix something in our house that might cost us $150, $200 to fix, and so we saved $150 to $200. Why don't you figure out how to make an extra $5,000? Again, small thinking. If I can save $75 here, and I'm not saying don't do that. I'm just trying to point out God, God owns this whole place. Psalms 24.1, the earth is the Lord's, the fullness thereof. Everything that's in it is God's. 
and we're trying to figure out how to nickel and dime our way through life so that because because nobody wants an extra $75 bill, nobody wants an extra $150 bill. And uh, now we've got to be good stewards of our money, but why don't we spend the same amount of time trying to figure out how to how to increase our living space, you know, within the realm of money. Go ahead and keep reading. Sorry. I will also reject thee. Yeah, this, this is uh, serious. Because as I said in the beginning, that God is serious on how we, how we deal with this element. God says that if we reject knowledge, then he's going to reject us. We should be interested in learning how life works on a God basis. Because, um, I don't know, you may, I don't want God to reject me. That's kind of like Christianity 101. Get in with him. Don't get knocked out of him. All right, go. The, keep going. I will also reject thee, that thou shalt be no priest to me. Seeing thou hast forgotten the law of thy God, I will also forget thy children. So with increase, uh, since it's at the door, increase living. In, uh, actually, that's not what I wanted to go through. Um, let me go back here. Go back to that. I wanted to deal with what he said. So, uh, my people are destroyed for lack of knowledge. Because you reject knowledge, I will reject you. Then what does it say? Um, that, they that thou will be no priest to me, seeing that thou hast forgotten the law of thy God. I will also forget thy children, as they were increased, so they sinned against me. Okay. So, God says here that if we're, if we're not willing to learn, we reject knowledge, that he will reject us and it will affect our lineage. And, and so it, it comes down to a place that if we understand God's position on things in life, is that me crackling or is that something else? That in life, we should be wanting to learn how things work. It's an interesting thing to me at being a pastor in full-time ministry for 26 years, um, is that how many people want to get all spiritual with prophecy, gifts of the Spirit, different things like that, but they don't want to learn how to live in the Word of God. Our very basis is should we, we should learn how to live. Number one, it's going to make it better for us. So then what happens is if money comes to us, increase comes to us, sin sits at the door. And, and look at this from the perspective of talking about money because everybody, you get a, you get a dollar, two dollar, three dollar raise you know, on, a, on a per hour basis. Within three months or so, you're living paycheck to paycheck again. If you've, li if you've had a habit of living paycheck to paycheck, you can go back 10, 15, 20 years and see that no matter what increase, what new job, what benefit, what bonus, whatever you got, you know, woo, 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 I got a big tax uh, uh, refund. Within, within 30 days, you're broke again. In fact, I, I, um, when the California lottery first came out, I was in finance uh, working at a company, and the lady was one of the first people in California in this, and definitely within our area. She won $50,000 on a scratcher. 45 days later, she had none of it. Now, this was back in the 80s, uh, where money was a little bit more valuable than it is today. But you will repeatedly do. Money is a magnifier. And when you get it, it will magnify what's in you, which most people, what's in them is spenders. Now, stop and think about this in you know, this weird world that maybe I could buy assets that produced enough income that I didn't have to have a 9 to 5 to work and I make more money. 
So you'll never get there without buying assets, but you can start buying assets and start doing that. Most people say, oh, I don't have enough money to do it. Well, when I started, you know, I've got several rentals now because I like real estate. So rentals is kind of my, my thing that I like. It's not the only thing to do, but I, I wanted a rental and, and guess what I had? No money. So how do you buy a house with no money? So I'm praying to God, asking, God, I want a house. Bring me into the pathway of a house. And, um, and so I'm, I'm praying this. I'm expecting God to do something. I have no money. You're going to have to show me how to do it. And uh, uh, Henry, you know, uh, many people know Henry Serrato. Uh, he calls me up one day. And his uh, wife, Ruth, mother, I think it was, was going through some uh, physical things that was like very serious. And so she was going to go down to Me Mexico where she lived. And so Henry was going to drive Ruth down to like Los Angeles to where like her brother lived. They were all going to pile in the car, all the siblings, go down to Mexico together. And so Henry's going to drive to Los Angeles back, and he calls me up, and he says, hey, David, get, you know, told me a story I just told you. Get ready to go down to Los Angeles. You want to go with me? Well, I mean, like, every day and twice on Saturday, I would say no. I don't want to spend eight hours in a car. And I don't know why, but I just felt to go. And so uh, we went. We drove down there. You know, had some good conversation, fellowship, whatnot. We dropped Ruth off, stayed there at the house for maybe 30 minutes or something like that. Then we took off, came back at the bottom of the grapevine. We stopped at one of those restaurants, had a good restaurant. I think, uh, you know, a decent restaurant. I think it was Panda Express or whatnot. And sat there and we talked. And we drove home and we got around Bakersfield. And he says, man, I got this guy that I've known forever. He wants me to buy his house uh, that's just right down the street from me. I said, really? I said, yeah. I said, you're going to buy it? Nah. I don't want to do that. He wants $75,000 for it, which was actually a good price. And now this goes back like 12 years also, but it was a very good price, uh, even at that time. And I said, I'll buy it. Now, I didn't really know what, you know, but, but I was, I'll buy it. He said, seriously? He said, yeah. Uh, I'm looking. I want, I want to buy a house, and that would be in the price range, maybe about $75,000 too high, but that's in the price range that, of where I'm at right now. And uh, so a week goes by, and I haven't heard anything. He said he would let him know and have to give me a call, and uh, nothing, nothing happened. So I called him. I said, hey, did you ever talk to that guy that wants to sell that house? Because I really want He says, oh, you're really serious about this. I said, yeah. He said, okay, I'll put you in touch. So put us in touch. I met the guy there. I ended up getting the house for $72.5, okay? But, uh, but I need financing. So I, while I'm sitting there talking to him, I said, would you be willing to carry back and become the bank? How that works is... Uh, let me just use round numbers. I'm buying it for 75. Uh, he's going to carry $50,000. He becomes the bank. So now all I got to do is come up 25,000. And then I make payments on him like as though he's the bank. All right. He owns a house free and clear. Uh, I don't remember the exact numbers, but uh, it probably was somewhere around there. Or he carried back 60,000 or something like that. So then I, I thought, well, I need some, uh, I need this extra $20,000. We'll just say it is. I don't remember the exact amount. So it's like, hmm, what can I do? Well, uh, I knew that Tammy's mom had some money. So I called her up, and uh, um, I said, hey, Mary Lou, I, I know, you know, we were talking about money one time, you brought up this and that, or however the conversation went. I said, I'm getting ready to buy a house, would you be, would you be interested in uh, helping me finance it, and if I borrow money from you, I'll give you eight and a quarter percent. Now, eight and a quarter percent at that time was really good. I mean, she probably could get three or four percent on her money, something like that. And uh, she said, yeah, I'll do that. So uh, just to round off numbers, I don't really remember the exact numbers. Uh, I just do remember the check. So she said, how much do you need? So I'm going to use the, the element of $75,000, I'm buying it. $50,000, he's going to carry it. So I need $25,000. So I told her, $35,000. Mm -hmm. 
Now, anybody here good at math? So what happened when I closed escrow on it? I, I walked away with a check. I own an asset now that's producing cash flow from renters, and I got a check for $10,000. So I had no money starting. What, what am I saying? You don't have to have money. You have to have will. As soon as you cha change your thinking, you will change the dynamics that start happening in your life. And I can go story after story on different things that I've done uh, like that. That was the second house that I, the other was actually two houses on one piece of property, but I did the same thing. I think I got $7,000 check, something like that. But, but you don't have to, if you, if you start having an increased mindset and do things. Now, what most people would do is what would they do with the $10,000? Save it. Oh, yeah, spend it. I'm going to say, man, what planet do you live on? Um, they would go out and spend Woo, woo, I just got a paycheck. And in, in 30 days, 45 days, they would have spent the $10,000. I didn't do that. Because my focus is I want to increase. And now I have an asset. I have cash flowing on it. And I've got $10,000 that I can do the next thing. When you start changing the way you think and start going after a definite purpose, then you're going to find that things will start opening up and doors will start happening for you. And so, uh, this, but it goes back to this knowledge thing that if I reject knowledge, uh, then I'm going to, uh, these, these things are not going to happen for me. So there is a direct correlation between how we handle money and the promotion that we receive from the Lord, going back to the sin that we just spend everything that we get and live paycheck to paycheck. If, if I'm doing, God wants me to prosper. And if I'm focusing on, okay, God, I'm going to prosper. And, and right now it doesn't look like I've got any way to do it, but I'm going to believe you to open the door. But you can't spend everything that comes in your hand and think God's going to bless you with more. Because if our back door is bigger than our front door, front door is where money comes in, back door is where money goes out. If our back door is bigger than our front door, God can't bless you enough to prosper you. Because everything that comes in will go out. So we have to understand it. Now, Jesus has a mindset on money. And so uh, we're going to look at that. We're going to read Matthew chapter 25, verse 14 through 30. Amen. For the kingdom of heaven is... Wait, the kingdom of what? Heaven. Now, there's two things in the New Testament. One is the kingdom of God and one is the kingdom of heaven. The kingdom of heaven is eternal. This is how heaven operates. Okay, the kingdom of God is God's system of order, the laws within the kingdom of God, how the kingdom operates on earth. But the kingdom of heaven is eternal. So he says here, this is how the kingdom of heaven operates. So this illustration that he's going to give is an eternal dynamic, which goes to my header there, Jesus's mindset on money. Go ahead. Kingdom of heaven. This the kingdom of heaven is as a man traveling into a far country who called his own servants and delivered unto them his goods. Okay. So anybody think of what this relates to? It says it's as a man traveling into a far country. Who might that be? Jesus? Somebody said Jesus? Is that what you said? Jesus. Yeah, Jesus gathered his servants, got his disciples together. Okay, uh, this is how the uh, heaven, all right, go ahead. Stop at talents. And unto one he gave five talents. Okay, this word talents from the Greek is a monetary word referring to the weight of silver and gold. Th this is not an abstract, feel-good, heavenly thing. He made this parable in and about money. All right, go ahead. To another two, and to another one, to every man according to his several ability, and straightway took okay. his journey. So he, he gave everybody the ability to do this. He's not expecting the same thing out of you as he's expecting out of me. 
He may expect more out of you. He may expect less out of you. We all have an ability. We all have understanding. We all have a cognitive factor. But the one thing that all of us have, th those are all different. But the one thing all of us has is some financial resource. Could be low, could be high, but we all have that. All right, keep going. Then he that had received the five talents went and traded with the same and made them uh, other five talents. And likewise, he that had received two, he also gained other two. But he that had received one went and digged in the earth and hid his Lord's money. Okay, so one of them didn't do anything with what they had. So what happens if you don't do anything with what you have? Well, let's find out. After a long time, the Lord of those servants cometh and reckoneth with them. And so he that had received five talents came and brought other five talents, saying, Lord, thou deliverest unto me five talents. Behold, I have gained beside them five talents more. Then um, his Lord said unto him, Well done, thou good and faithful servant. Thou hast been faithful over a few things. I will make thee ruler over many things. Okay, hang on one second, because that statement it floats around in Christian circles. Well done, thou good and faithful servant. I want to see Jesus, and I want to hear those words. Well done, thou good and faithful servant. Okay, but what does that phrase tie to? What did you do with what he put in your hand? And so, so we have, what are we looking at right now in this? The mindset of, of Jesus, which is the mindset of God, behind all this. Enter thou into the joy of thy Lord. He also that had received two talents came and said, Lord, thou deliverest unto me two talents. Behold, I have gained two other talents beside them. His Lord said unto him, Well done, good and faithful servant. Thou hast been faithful over a few things. I will make thee ruler over many things. Enter thou into the joy of the Lord. Then he which had received the one talent came and said, Lord, I knew thee that thou art a hard man, reaping where thou hast not sown, and gathering where thou hast not strawed. And I was afraid, and went, and hid thy talent in the earth. Lo, there thou hast that is thine. His Lord answered and said unto him, Thou wicked and slothful servant, Thou knewest that I reap where I sowed not, and gather where I have not strawed. Thou oughtest therefore to have put my money to the exchangers, and then at my coming I should, I should have received mine own with usury. Take therefore the talent from him, and give it unto him which hath ten talents. For unto every one that hath shall be given, and he shall have abundance, but from him that hath not shall be taken away even that which he hath. And cast ye in the unprofitable servant into outer darkness. There shall be weeping and gnashing of teeth. So at the end of this, we see the same thing at the beginning. That it's the kingdom of heaven. It's an eternal statement. At the end, he threw him out where there's weeping and gnashing of teeth. If you, if you um, study out those words, you're going to find that very directly tied to when, when Jesus talks about hell. Where, where there will be weeping and gnashing of teeth. Now, did, did Jesus expect the one-talent guy to do as much as the five-talent guy? No. no, he just expected him to do something. So what if he would have came back and said, man, all I got was one talent? He would have said, well done. So it comes back to what you're doing. Now, here's a little game uh, that you can play in, uh, if you want to do this at any given time. Um, 
is uh, it's kind of math, so I don't know if you can follow me. I didn't make a slide on it. But uh, first, figure out how many years old you are from 18. Take your age minus 18. You know, if you're 48, that'd be 30. Uh, if you're, uh, you know, 50, that would be, no. I'm already messing up on the math. That's why I didn't want to do it. All right, just, just take your age minus 18, figure out how old you are. Then figure out your net worth. Take all your assets, your money, your assets, everything that you have, subtract all the liabilities. So like if you had a $20,000 car and you owe 10,000 on it, you're gonna net it out at $10,000 asset. Uh, so take all your assets, subtract all of your liabilities, everything you owe, and then divide that number by your age above 18. You know, theoretically speaking, your working years. You'll find out how much a year of your life has been worth. See, most people are zero negative. Uh, let's say it was 25,000 and you had 25 years since 18. That means every year of your life was worth $1,000. Where you put in all these thousands of hours. Uh, and, and if you take that in correlation to what God is looking at from us, how valuable, because God wants to dominate this earth. We're going to see that in some scriptures we're going to run through here real quick. But God wants to own this, work, this earth. So let's, um, uh, the mindset of the scripture is we are to prosper for our master. Uh, you know what? Okay. Okay, go ahead. Hang on a second. Go to Ecclesiastes chapter 10. It's not on there. This is Ecclesiastes 10. How much every year of your life, every working year of your life has been retained in building assets? Be, because if you look at, uh, does anybody not know what net worth means? I'll explain it. Is that what their net worth? Yeah. It, it's, if you sold everything, how much money would you have? I told you that with turning 50, I was negative $75,000. So I was an average American. Okay, so that means that if I would have sold everything at, at 50 years old, it was around January, something like that, that I did this. And my birthday's in May, so it's 49 and a half or three quarters, whatever it works out to. And so if I sold everything that we had, we would still owe $75,000. That's not a good position to be in. Okay, so what was the value from 18 to 50, which is what, 20, 30, 32 years, 32 years of living, 32 years of, of earning money, what did it produce? Actually... It was negative. Now, in the next 10 years, we totally changed that, and we moved from negative, which this is a positive thing for you. It doesn't matter where you start. We moved to a negative to where now, I looked it up on charts, that we're, we're in the top 20% of Americans on net worth. So, so that's, that's a huge change in 10, 11 years. So, so it can be done. So if you just want to shock yourself, look at that and say, okay, what's been the value of my life? Because God wants us to produce. God wants us to do that. So the mindset of the scripture is we are to profit for the master. Now, there's other ways of profit, profiting, you know, bring people into the kingdoms, obviously, one of them, encouraging people. I mean, there's a lot of things we can go to. It's just we're talking about money in this series, and so I'm bringing it uh, to that. All right, read Luke 19.13. Oh, Okay, so let me, let me have her read this. Go ahead. I don't have a slide for it. It just kind of... ...leadeth from the ruler. Folly is set in great dignity, and the rich sit in low place. So he's talking about his people. That, what's the next verse say? 
I have seen servants upon horses and princes walking as servants upon the earth. Okay, so who are, biblically speaking, who are the princes? Who are, who are servants? Those that are under the, the mammon system, those that are not following God. But he says, I've seen this evil, this folly, that servants are on the horses and the princes are walking. My people are destroyed for a lack of knowledge. Are you following me? God expects us to be in a different place. He wants his system to work for us. Uh, read Luke 19, 13. And he called his ten servants and delivered them ten pounds and said unto them, Occupy till I come. That word occupy from the original Greek means do business and trade. He said, okay, I, I've conquered everything, death and the grave. I, I died, I rose again, I broke the system of hell. Now you guys go out and make this thing work in the earth. Okay, but what do we do? We're just trying to get enough money to buy corn and pizza and whatever else you, you like to do, take a vacation, stuff like that. And we don't have a mind. Now you can do that, but you should have overflow to do that. Most people, when they go on vacation, come back with what? Debt. They charged it all. And now they got to figure out how to pay Master Card instead of looking to Master Jesus to show them how to do it. Uh, read Genesis 1.26. And God said, let us make man in our image after our likeness and let them have dominion over the fish of the sea and over the fowl of the air and over the cattle and over all the earth and over every creeping thing that creepeth upon the earth. Okay, so in Genesis 1.26, when we start, the very first thing God says to his, his people he's created is have dominion over everything. Now we, and I did it backwards, I should have done it uh, uh, differently, but you know, went to Genesis first to be in chronological order, but then in the New Testament, he says the same thing after his, uh, his resurrection. Do business, trade, expand the kingdom. Have dominion. Have authority. Read Proverbs 29 and 2. When the righteous are in authority, the people rejoice. But when the wicked beareth rule, the people mourn. So he wants his people to have authority in the earth. We come back to this and we talk about things. Why do we let all the heathen run for political offices? Why aren't Christians running? Trying to control the school board, trying to control the city council, trying to control different things within the county. We do, yeah. now, And I get this. Yeah, I just, I don't. Man, I don't like politics. I don't like it either. So are we just going to sit back and let people control our lives when God has given us the power to control other things? Read Matthew 28, 18. And Jesus came and spake unto them, saying, All power is given unto me in heaven and in earth. So again, we're looking at God wants his people in charge and producing gain. But most of God's children are just, I mean, they're fighting God on, I don't want to tithe. That man, that's, that's 10%. They, you know, that's a dime out of every dollar that I could go spend on ice cream. No, I like ice cream. So, you know, <laughs> I'm not dogging ice cream. But it's like people, okay, let me, let me see. Okay, I'll give God a 10, you know. And, uh, and then they'll go out to lunch and spend 20. What was more important, God or the, the hamburger? I saw a, a meme come up. It was actually a picture of a McDonald's uh, um, burger stand menu up there in 1973 i was 11. i could have had a big mac large fry and a soda for a dollar 31. How, how can we live cheap okay so here's robert kiyosaki again the rich invest their money and spend what is left 
the poor spend their money and invest what is left. How much can I afford to put, like, like let's say you have a job, and they got a 401k, and I'll talk about 401ks and different things like that at a later time. But it's like, okay, how much can I afford to put into a 401k, and they're gonna match 50 cents to every dollar I put in, an automatic 50% return. How much can I afford to put into that? You ought to be scrapping your budget, figuring out, okay, how much do I wanna put into that? And then let me figure out how to live off the rest. See, this is the difference between people with money, uh, people that understand wealth, and people that, are, are, that don't, uh, be, you know, because they have lack of knowledge. The rich invest their money and spend what is left. The poor spend their money and invest what is left. All right, let's lo look at Luke 12, 42. Hey, before you start, am I going too fast? Because I feel like I'm talking fast. Yes? I'll give you the scripture. Okay. Uh, she'll give them to you. All right, go ahead. And the Lord said, Who then is that faithful and wise steward whom his Lord shall make ruler over his household? To okay, hold give on. So he's asking here, Who is God going to promote? But he called him a steward. What's a steward? Now, there's an actual definition of the word, but what would you say a steward is? Somebody that looks over something. Yeah, somebody that looks over something. It, it's actually a manager, somebody who manages. Uh, if you can ever get free that everything is God's and you don't have anything, uh, see, if you lose something, uh, now you got to go how, figure out how to get it back. But if it's God's, God, you know that thing you gave me? Because he owns it. Has anybody here had a company car? A couple people, three people? You get in a, uh, a wreck in a company car, you don't have the same emotional reaction as if it's your car. <laughs> Do you know why? No, it's like, boss, some guy just hit me. I need a new vehicle. Because uh, I think yours is totaled. <laughs> okay, but wait a minute. What if it's God's? What if I'm just a manager? If I'm a good manager of his stuff, will he have a problem replacing stuff? No, no because, I, because I'm faithful and just. So read the whole verse again. And the Lord said, Who then is that faithful and wise steward whom his Lord shall make ruler over his household to give them their portion of meat in due season? Blessed is that servant whom his Lord, when he cometh, shall find so doing. Okay, so... So God's looking for somebody who's faithful in doing so that he can promote them. So this is going to be very much direct. This doesn't work in the world system. This works in God's system. That if we're faithful in doing things his way, promotion is going to come from him. Now, whenever, anytime somebody talks about money, they want to get into, man, how can I invest money and double my wealth in 30 days? Okay, it doesn't work that way. The very first thing you got to do is get yourself established. And, and, and start building some roots and start building, you know, a base on which you can come, and, uh, you know, grow from that God can promote. So promotion comes from the Lord. Promotion is based upon what we are doing. Now, has anybody ever been in management where you had control over employees? Okay, got one, two. Did, did you promote the people that always showed up 15 minutes late? Did you promote the, the, the person that had a 10-minute break that turned it into 20 minutes? 
No, who did you promote? The good ones. The ones that want the work, the ones that take responsibility, the ones that go the extra mile. Jesus says the same thing. He's looking for those that are doing what he said. Now, there's a lot of people trying to live in the blessings of God, uh, but they're not willing to do what he says. They're wanting the blessings of a giver, but they're unwilling to give. They want the blessings of a tither, but they're unwilling to tithe. They want the blessings of a good steward, but everything that gets into their hand, they spend it, it goes out the back door. We, he's looking for people that's doing what he said. Now, this applies to all aspects of our life, including money. I'm talking about money, but this is a faith element and walking with God that we can apply to, to any area of our life. All right, so what are you doing with what God has put in your hand? That goes back to my math calculation. Figure out your net worth, how many working years you have, divide it. That will show you what you're doing with what God puts in your hand. How much money, how much, I'm going to talk about debt at a later time, but how much debt do you have? Don't answer. But see, people living under debt, they're, they're, it's like you got a, a charge card that charges 15%. It's only 15% if you pay it off in the first year. The second year, you've paid 30% on that debt, on that shirt you bought. You just jacked. It's, it's amazing to me the number of people says, oh, man, you know, I don't even know what stores are now. I'm going to say Mervyn's. I'll date me. But, you know, <laughs> Mervyn's has a 20% off sale, and then they'll go put it on a card that charges 27%. It's like... Because we don't understand math. Most people don't. Uh, or we fail to apply math. All right, so on the doing, look at Proverbs 13 and 4. Now, while she's looking it up, I'm not picking anything because I told you that when I was turning 50, I was, my net worth was negative 75,000. I was a master at this, at failing. And you know what the worst part was? I knew how to not do that. And yet I still, I still did it. You ever listen to somebody that talks about they know how to lose weight, but they're like way overweight? But they can tell you all the steps you need to do. Well, I was like that with money. All right, go ahead. Uh, the soul of the sluggard desireth and hath nothing, but the soul of the diligent shall be made fat. Okay, so we can look at this in another direction that if we have nothing, God calls us a sluggard. A sluggard. And he says that if we have excess, I don't remember the exact number I mentioned it. I ought to go look it up. But just recently it came out with statistics, something like 80-something percent of Americans cannot meet a $500 emergency without borrowing money. Bunch of sluggards. It wasn't me, it was God said that. And then what do you say about those that have more than enough? What was the word he used? Okay, the diligent will be made fat. So the fat is I have more than enough, and he calls me diligent. So th this is God's opinion about money. We should look at God's opinion. Now, God does not want us broke, destitute, uh, uh, you know, Struggling to meet, he says, I, uh, I've never seen the righteous forsaken or seed beg, begging for bread. There's a safety net in there that God's going to take care of his children. Uh, but it, it can be very hard because he also says, the poor you will always have with you. So why is in a world uh, where there's so many resources, why are there so many poor? The number one reason is they reject knowledge and they buy into self-limiting thoughts. I can't do it. You can't get ahead, you know. 
those kinds of things. Now, where to start? Okay, these are, I'm going to go over these that I did last week. Start with your end-of-life documents. Order. Take care of your family. Uh, and th that would be if, um, uh, if you have children under 18 especially, get a will. So if something happens to you, it's already lined out what you, what's going to happen for your children. I can show you how to do that very cheaply. A health directive is um, if you can't make decisions on your health, who do you want to make it? Do you want Goofy Harry? <laughs> you know, he's your uncle. You know, but I don't want him making the decisions for me if I'm unconscious. Have a health directive. Give somebody that you trust who knows what your wishes are to make that. It's a legal document. And uh, again, I can show you how to get these for very cheap. And a power of attorney. I'll tell you a quick story on a power of attorney. True story uh, from one of the clients uh, in the company I was with, and we sold life insurance and stuff like that. But the, uh, they, they were well off. He made really good money. She's a stay-at-home mom. They've got a, a house. This goes back like almost 20 years. They've got a house in Florida that's worth like 700000 or something like that. And uh, he gets in a car wreck. He's in a coma. And he's going to be a paraplegic. And they've got this huge house payment, but they also have like three, four $400,000 in equity in the house. And, uh, and he's not waking up. She can't make the payment. So her idea is I'm going to sell the property, take the money, go move into an apartment close by the university hospital that he's in, and then we'll figure all this out when we come out the other side. She couldn't sell the house because he was in a coma and it was a, a joint tenancy purchase. He had to sign to sell it. She did not have a power of attorney. She, it got foreclosed on. She lost several hundred thousand dollars in equity and struggled while the husband went through the thing they went through. All you have to do is have this document to where if something happens to somebody, you can sign it. Again, it can be done very cheaply. Um, don't leave your family stranded. Get life insurance. It's amazing to me the number of people that don't have life insurance. And I'm not saying this because I, I did say the other day that you know, I do have a life insurance license. I've had it since the 80s. And uh, I do things in finances, but that's whether you use me or don't use me, that's irrelevant. Protect your family. I mean, so many people go through things uh, and they don't have the money to deal with final expenses. Get it in place. Number three, uh, I was going to, I want to explain some things on life insurance because I'm not a really good life insurance salesman because I tell people like the good, the bad, and the ugly. And every product, whether it's an investment, whether it's insurance, whether it's whatever, they all have upsides, they all have downsides. And uh, because I'm not in it for the money, I mean, I do make money at it, but it's not like a driving force for me. I sit down and I like to explain. So term life is, this is what Dave Ramsey loves. and says that everybody should buy term life. It has its place, but it has a term. At the end of the term, the price is going to go up um, um, a lot. You'll cancel the policy. Uh, I just pulled one up for somebody the other day, and uh, at their age and, and everything like that, it would be $75 a month, and then at the end of the term, it goes up to $393 a month, and then it just keeps going up after that. You will cancel a term life insurance policy at the end of the term, and less than 2% of term life policies actually pay out. Insurance companies are really uh, good at calculations, and a term is, if you die, we will pay, noting the word if, okay? Now, it has its place. If that's all you can afford, that's fine. Do that because you want something in case something happens, but you have to understand that at the end of the term, so if you are 30 years old and you get a 30-year term, how old are you going to be when the term runs out? 
60. How healthy are most people at 60? See, they, they might be able to go out and get another policy, but they're going to pay a lot more because they're a lot older. And term maxes out at 75. You can't take it beyond 75. Why? Because most people die after 75. They don't want to pay out the policy. Then there's a thing called whole universal. There's various words on these things. This is not a if you die. It's a when you die. So they are going to pay out. So it's a lot more for that policy. And, and Dave Ramsey says it's horrible and things like that. Well, a plain vanilla one is pretty horrible. Uh, but there's ways of constructing it so that it will still work. And you can actually get lower death benefit while you're younger that grows that when you statistically need it, it will be higher. But it will go till age 121. If you live to 122, uh, at 121 on your birthday, they're going to send you a check for the full amount anyway. So, uh, so there's, there's places and ways. Uh, some people have life insurance through their job. Anybody ever have life insurance through their job? Okay, uh, it's a horrible thing. Now, if they give it to you, take it. Uh, fill out the paperwork and take it. But here's the, the real kicker is that uh, it's only going to work good for you if you work until you die. Like, literally, that's not like a phrase. That you're still employed the day that you die. Because as soon as you leave the job, you no longer have the policy. The employer owns the policy, can change it, can do whatever they want while you're working, can cancel it. And so it's just kind of like a freebie insurance. Don't bank your life on it. Because if you do work for a long time for the company, let's say you're 25 when you get it and you work there for 35 years and you leave or they cancel the policy, now you're trying to get rated at a higher age. It's a lot harder uh, to do it that way. Yes. Uh, go to Jenny. That's my next one. AD&D, accidental death and dismemberment. Now, we sold this a lot, made a huge amount of money off of it. And uh, we had a joke internally. You had to die on Wednesday between 2 and 3 by something falling out of the air and hitting you. <laughs> they pay on virtually nothing. And uh, uh, in the 10 years that I sold it, which I didn't like selling it, it was just mandatory for the job, uh, that uh, the only one of them paid out in the hundreds and hundreds and hundreds of policies that we sold. I only saw one of them paid out. If you've been around Vicelli uh, 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 for long enough, you remember a young guy that was a uh, box boy over at Best Buy grocery store, got shot and killed because he went out and uh, chased a uh, shoplifter. Uh, that's the policy that paid out. Um, they considered that an accidental death. Don't, don't pay premiums to get an accidental death and dismemberment uh, rider. It's, they, they, they literally pay on nothing. And you have to prove that it was an accident uh, for it to happen. Now, if you do get approved, it was very cheap insurance, but it's a very big money. I could sell a policy to somebody, uh, this is back in the day, for somebody that was like 18 years old that would stay in force until they were 60, two years old and the premium was like $250 and I got like $200 of that, you know, in, in the office that I worked in, the insurance company made like 50 and they made a profit on it. That's how bad they are. Don't do that. Uh, then there's all kinds of, um, uh, now your bank's going to send you a free thing on it. Fill it out. Who cares? Uh, it's free. Just don't buy the excess that they're, that they're trying to sell you. 
uh, loan insurance, credit card, mortgage. Like if you buy a house, they have a, a mortgage insurance, not the one like PMI that you have to pay, but, but a, like a death benefit that if you die, it'll pay it off. It's far cheaper to get a term policy for the same distance because that is a decreasing life insurance policy, meaning that every time you make a payment and your balance goes down, the, the, their liability of paying goes down. Okay, so, so you get down here and you, you get your house down to 25000 you bought it for three hundred. it's down to 25000 and you die, all the company is going to pay is off the loan, which you paid all that premium for a $25,000 benefit, which if you would have went out and got a term policy, say at $300,000, you would still get $300,000, pay the mortgage off at twenty five, and have all the money left. Um, so loan insurances, credit life, credit disability, all those things, there's much cheaper ways of doing it. Uh, your credit cards do the same thing. If you can't make the payment, just sign here and we'll give you this insurance for you know, a little bit every month. It's, it's very expensive, don't do it. Warranty insurance. There's a term, it's called uh, self, to self-insure. Uh, don't, if you can afford it, like, like, I won't have people raise their hand, uh, but you know, you buy an iPhone and they got this Apple Care. It's horrible. I mean, now it's great if you do bust up your phone and it pays, but you're gonna have to pay a deduction on a lot of things and all these different things. I'm, I don't know, when, when did I, uh, like phones come out? Uh, I don't know, 20 years ago, roughly? Yeah, I've never dropped one and broke it. So w what would have happened if I would have bought their Apple Care or whatever, it's just a lot of money going out and all I have to do I mean it's only really valuable if you drop it in the first three or four months you know, after the phone's old it just makes more sense to go buy a, another one and, uh, and so you bought the first one for $700,000, $1,500 you can buy another one for $700,000, $1,500 so I've never taken the insurance and I've never had to use the insurance now if you're that person that drops your phone every three days Invest in an, or lose it. Invest in an OtterBox first. I don't know what I'm doing. Uh, you know, but but if you can if you can insure it yourself, meaning if this goes bad, it will cost me five hundred dollars, seven hundred and fifty dollars, twenty five hundred dollars. I can afford to do that. I'm not going to buy insurance to cover that. If you're buying something that costs ten thousand dollars and you're thinking, you know. If this thing goes out or, or something, I wouldn't have the money to do it, then maybe you want to look at a warranty on it, but don't just buy it just because it's easier and it'll cover it. Well, you know, if something goes wrong with it, how many know, is anybody here? Because um, I had somebody talk to me and it was a church item and um, uh, got an insurance on it and it went out like the day after the insurance stopped. I mean, have you ever had something that the warranty went out in like the next 30 days you needed it? It's amazing how they can figure these things out. You know, they're in it to make self-insure. That's what I'm talking about. And so, um, so uh, once final papers are in order, okay, now we're going to get a clear picture of where you are financially. You need to know where you're at. Uh, I, I brought this uh, back out in Shark Tank. You've got to know your numbers. You need to take some time and know your income versus your outgo or your debt. And you've got to figure out, am I going negative every month or do I have something left over? You, you've got to come to the basis of knowing where you're at. I would even figure out assets versus liabilities. Sit down and, uh, Russ, would you help me with this? Sit down and uh, uh, figure out how much money uh, you have. Uh, you might be broke. 
Okay, you need to get some money. What's going to happen if an emergency does come up? And really, all you have to do is, de uh, Nix, is develop a strategy to get out of debt, build assets. If you're in debt, credit card debt, useless debt, different things like that, you've got to get out of debt. Um, the Bible says, go to the ant, O sluggard, consider her ways and be wise. Without having any chief officer or ruler, she prepares her bread in the summer and gathers her food in the harvest. Pay attention to what you're doing. Now, what he's passing out here is a, a real simple budget. Now, I'm not telling you to use this. I'm just giving you an example how you can use it. And the first thing is to determine what your income is. All it is is putting down, like I have your husband's salary, wife's salary, other income, you know, like a side gig or something like that. Gifts, blessings, other streams of income. Know how much you make per month. All right? And, uh, and, and once you know that, know how much goes out. And again, I just put some things up here, you know. Oh, no, that's income. I thought I'd move that. Didn't I move that? Oh, here it is, monthly expenses. You know, I put tithes and offerings in there because I'm a, um, I believe God's way is better. Uh, your mortgage or rent, you know, groceries, car payment one, car payment two, uh, internet maintenance, just, just fill it out with your stuff. There's a lot of free apps. Dave Ramsey has an every dollar app where you can account for every dollar in your household. You've got to figure out where you're at and don't assume. Go back and look at your, because a lot of people, they'll run out, the, you know, they'll swing through a coffee drive, spend $5 and don't account for it and, and do different things like that. And they're, they're not paying attention to what they're spending. Know your numbers. If you want to grow in wealth, you're going to have a starting point. Figure out what the starting point is. If you need help with this, I can help you with it. Uh, budgeting is, is very simple for me. We can figure out where you're at fairly quickly if you're honest. And then you, you need to have a strength. Remember what Robert Kiyosaki said, the wealthy, they buy assets and live off the rest. Uh, the poor, they spend everything and invest the rest. Uh, so building blocks of where to start. So just kind of a recap. End of life documents, I've already talked about. Life insurance, I've already talked about. Getting a budget, knowing where you're at. And then next week, I'm going to talk about the effects of debt and, and what it will do to, uh, to us. Uh, because a lot of people don't realize the dynamics uh, on debt and how bad debt is hurting you. Um, now, there's some people that take the verse in the Bible, oh, no man, anything except to love, and they said that it, they say it's a sin to uh, have debt. Uh, I don't believe that. I don't operate that way. Uh, in all honesty, I probably have somewhere close to a half a million dollars of debt. But I have assets paying for it. It doesn't come out of our budget. So if something happened, I can sell the asset and pay off the debt. So, so leverage is a thing that can be used if you understand money. Let's stand. If you understand money, there's ways of utilizing things um, and, and finding ways of working things if we understand it. And I'm trying to go slow to where it makes sense. So I'm going to stop here. And uh, any questions? Anything not make sense? Nobody? I did good, too. It's 8.30. It's where, where my cutoff time was, 8.32. Nobody has any, any questions? Okay, did it make sense? Yes. Do you see God's minds that God has a mindset about money? Okay, all right, let's pray. Heavenly Father, we thank you, Lord, for this time together. God, open the eyes of our understanding. You're not trying to hold things from us. The enemy is. The thief comes to kill, steal, and destroy. But you've come that we might have life and have it more abundantly. Lord, help us to step into the life more abundant. Help us to see, God, that you're wanting us 
to be in authority. You're wanting us to have all sufficiency in all things that we may abound to every good work. Lord, it is your desire that you reveal yourself through us and you're not broke, you're not poor, and you're not struggling. You want to see people walking in power and authority, God. Give us the mindset to do this, Lord, that we can walk in everything you have for us. Keep us in safety as we go home and uh, uh, let us see uh, what you're, you're, where you're wanting to take us and what you're wanting to do in Jesus' name. Amen. Hey, before you leave, I got a box up here I forgot. I got a free book. This book is, uh, uh, in fact, somebody, uh, Russ, come here for a minute, okay? Uh, I'm going to have him take this. Take this back and put it back at the information booth so people going out, if they want a copy of it. Now, don't, uh, husband and wife, don't take a copy each. You know, take one. It's a very simple book to read. But it's Why Our Church Talks About Money. Uh, we, we, we talk about the tithes, the offerings quite a bit. Uh, now I'm preaching on money. But uh, this is a simple little book about biblical principles about why we discuss money because it's actually more important. It's not because we're trying to get your money. God's opinion of money is very strong and you want to understand it right.